Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 108. Today's big Bible question, how is the Lord my shepherd? This is from Psalms chapter 23. So happy four weeks in quarantine, everybody. Well, maybe your quarantine has been less than ours, hopefully so. Our Bible readings today are Leviticus 19, Psalms 23 and 24, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and 1 Timothy 4. For many people in the past, Psalm 23 was almost as popular and well-known as John 3.16. I'm not quite sure that's the same for the younger generations, as in younger than me, but my generation of church kids, the Gen X generation, was frequently exposed to this psalm, and really for good reason, and most of the generations before mine as well. It's one of the most comforting passages in all of Scripture. So let's read it together, and we'll go ahead and read Psalm 24 as well. And we're going to come back and discuss how the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm chapter 23, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I feel fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord, for he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord of armies, he is the king of glory, Selah. So the shepherd metaphor is abundantly used in scripture. In modern society, it might be kind of an insult to call people sheep or sheeple, but it does not appear to have had the same connotation in Bible times. Humans' shepherds could be men or women. For instance, Rachel, the wife of Jacob, was a shepherdess. And though it was not necessarily a high-level job in society, Many of the Old Testament's prominent people like Abraham, Moses, King David, Jacob, Abel, the prophet Amos, they were shepherds at some point. As we see above, God is a shepherd of his people and Jesus in John chapter 10 calls himself the good shepherd. He says in John 10:11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand since he's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. In Ezekiel 34, God calls to account the leaders of his people, chastising them as bad shepherds. So I'm going to read a chunk of that. But just keep in mind as I do, 
that the things that God is chastising the human shepherds for are the very things that he does for us as our shepherd. So Ezekiel 34 verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains in every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. Because my flock, lacking a shepherd, has become prey and food for every wild animal, and because my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. So that gives us a lot of insight into how the Lord is our shepherd. He had appointed these human leaders and priests and officials and stuff to take care of his people, but they were neglecting their sheep and taking care of themselves instead. So God says he's going to do their job, which includes strengthening the weak, healing the sick, bandaging the injured, bringing back the strays, and seeking the lost. Now, we're going to go to Charles Spurgeon because he has some great insights into this passage and how God is our shepherd, and he does it in a verse-by-verse sort of way. So we're going to do like reading through some of Spurgeon's verse-by-verse commentary. And he says, I hope we all know this psalm by heart. May we know it by heart experience too. It is a sweet pastoral song just suited to our Sabbath evening worship. He was preaching on Sunday evening. There's no din of arms, no noise of war, but there is a delicious hush only broken by the gentle tinkling of the sheep bell. God give us that kind of rest tonight. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. And Spurgeon says, All true rest begins with Jesus, as all the comfort of the sheep is provided for them by their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Is it so? Can you look up poor defenseless sheep and say, the Lord is my shepherd? Then comes the blessed inference. I shall not want. I do not want. I cannot want. I've never shall want with such a shepherd as I have. He will provide for me. More than that, God himself is my provision. All I need I have for the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I cannot provide for myself, but I shall not want. Famine may come and others who have no God to go to may pine and perish, but in the worst season I shall not want, for the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I am so weak, says Spurgeon, that I even need God's help to enable me to lie down, but he makes me lie down. Yes, the rest of the soul is so hard to attain. The rest of the soul, as in this kind of relaxation, the rest of the soul, is so hard to attain that nobody ever does reach it except by the power of God. He who made the heavens must make us to lie down if we are really to rest. What delightful rest it is when we lie down in his pastures, which are always green. Did you ever find them dry? 
Our shepherd makes us not only to feed, but so to feed that we lie down in the midst of the pastures. There is more than we can eat, so the Lord makes a couch of it for us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. There is first contemplation. He makes us lie down. Then there is activity. He leadeth me. There is also progress and there is provision for our advance in the heavenly way. He leadeth me. He leadeth me beside the waters of quietness, not by the rushing torrents of excitement, nor by the place of noisy strife. Quote, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Not he drives or drags, but he himself leads, going first to show the way. It is for me to follow, happily to follow, where he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He can do it at once. He restores now. He is a restoring God. He restores my soul. He brings my wandering spirit back when I forsake his ways. And having done that, he leads me even more carefully than before. For a second time, we have the psalmist declarations. He leads me. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Though death's shadow hovers all around me and dampens my spirit, though I feel as though I must die and cannot bear up under present trial any longer, yes, though I walk, for I do walk, I will not quicken my pace, I will not be in a flurry, I will not run for it, though death itself shall overshadow me, I will keep up with my walk with God. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There is none, therefore I will not fear any. We often feel more afraid through our fear itself than through any real cause for fear. Some people seem to be ever on the lookout for fear where there is none. Do not you see any, nor let any enter your heart. Say with the psalmist, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Should a sheep fear when the shepherd is with it? What cause has it to fear if that shepherd is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, and full of tenderness? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. His rod and his correction, his rod of correction, with which I sometimes am made to wince, his staff with which I am supported. These are my comforters. Why should I fear? Are you drinking in all this precious truth, dear friends? Are you feeling it in your soul's deepest experience? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There is a fight going on, says Spurgeon, and there are enemies all around. You do not generally have tables set in the hour of battle, but God keeps his people so calm amid the bewildering cry, so confident of victory, that even in the presence of their enemies, a table is spread with all the state of a royal banquet. You prepare a table. There is a cloth on the table, there are the ornaments on it, and there are all the accompaniments of a feast. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They may look on if they like, they may grin, they may wish they could eat, but they cannot sit down at the table, and they cannot prevent me from sitting down at it. Let them blow their trumpets, let them fire their guns. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It is the very perfection of security and repose that is here described. I know of no expression, not even that of lying down in green pastures, that is more full of restfulness than this. Thou preparest 
a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. At some feasts, says Spurgeon, they poured perfumed oils on the heads of the guests, so God will leave out nothing that is for the joy and comfort of his people. You anoint my head with oil. You shall have delicacies as well as necessities. You shall have joy as well as safety. You shall be prepared for service as well as preserved from destruction. My cup runneth over. I have not only what I wish, but I have more. Not only all I can hold, but something to spare. My cup runs over. If this is the case with your cup, dear dear friend, let it run over in thankful joy. And if you have more of the world's substance than you need, ask the poor and needy to come and catch that which flows, flows over. Surely, this is another of the psalmist's inferences and a very sure one. He does not say perhaps, but surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here is a prince of the blood royal of heaven, attended by two bodyguards, goodness and mercy, which keep close behind him. These are the grooms that ride on the horses of salvation. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Goodness to provide for me, mercy to blot out my sin. Goodness and mercy shall follow me, not only now and then, but all the days of my life. When I get gray-headed and feeble and have to lean heavily upon my staff, these twin angels shall be close behind to bear me up and bear me through, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even while I am here in this world, I will be dwelling with God, and by and by, in the fullest sense, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I always compare this psalm to a lark type of bird. It begins on the ground among the sheep, but it goes till you may hear its blessed notes echoing among the stars. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It has its nest in the grass of the green pastures, but it flies up like the strains of sweetest music rising even to the sky. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Grant that this may be the portion of every one of us for his great name's sake. Amen and amen. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you is to respect his father and mother. You are to keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make cast images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord, sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It is to be eaten on the day you sacrifice it, or on the next day, but what remains on the third day must be burned. If any is eaten on the third day, it is a repulsive thing. It will not be accepted. Anyone who eats it will bear his iniquity, for he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. That person is to be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not act deceptively or lie to one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages due a hired worker must not remain with you until morning. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but you are to fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not act unjustly when deciding a case. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not jeopardize your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not harbor hatred against your brother. 
Rebuke your neighbor directly, and you will not incur guilt because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You are to keep my statutes. Do not crossbreed two different kinds of your livestock. Sow your fields with two kinds of seed, or put on a garment made of two kinds of material. If a man has sexual intercourse with a woman who is a slave designated for another man, but she has not been redeemed or given her freedom, there must be punishment. They are not to be put to death because she has not been freed. However, he must bring a ram as his guilt offering to the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The priest will make atonement on his behalf before the Lord with the ram of the guilt offering for the sin he has committed, and he will be forgiven for the sin he has committed. When you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food, you are to consider the fruit forbidden. It will be forbidden to you for three years. It is not to be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit is to be consecrated as a praise offering to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, its yield will increase for you. I am the Lord your God. You are not to eat anything with blood in it. You are not to practice divination or witchcraft. You are not to cut off the hair at the sides of your head or mar the edges of your beard. You are not to make gashes on your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not debase your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will be prostituted and filled with depravity. Keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or consult spiritists, or you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You are to rise in the presence of the elderly and honor the old. Fear your God. I am the Lord. When an alien resides with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You will regard the alien who resides with you as the native born among you. You are to love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not be unfair in measurements of length, weight, or volume. You are to have honest balances, honest weights, an honest dry measure, and an honest liquid measure. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Keep all my statutes and my ordinances and do them. I am the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 1. I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy what is good, but it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness, and about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body, my mind still guiding me with wisdom and how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I increased my achievements, I built houses and planted vineyards for myself, I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself which were to irrigate a grove of flushing, flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the delights of men. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasures, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile and a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Then I turned to consider wisdom, madness, and folly, for what will the king's successor be like? He will do what has already been done. And I realized that there is an advantage to wisdom over folly, like the advantage of light over darkness. 
The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I also knew that one fate comes to them both. So I said to myself, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been overly wise? And I said to myself that this is also futile, for just like the fool, there is no lasting remembrance of the wise, since in the days to come, both will be forgotten. How is it that the wise person dies just like the fool? Therefore I hated life, because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for everything is futile in a pursuit of the wind. I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun, because I must leave it to the one who comes after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will take over all my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This too is futile. So I began to give myself over to despair concerning all my work that I had labored at under the sun. When there is a person whose work was done with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and he must give his portion to a person who has not worked for it, this too is futile and a great wrong. For what does a person get with all his work and all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? For all his days are filled with grief, and his occupation is sorrowful even at night. His mind does not rest. This too is futile. There is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this is from God's hand, because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? For to the person who is pleasing in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. This too is futile and a pursuit of the wind. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons, through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. Brothers and sisters, may we persevere in the word of God, paying close attention to our life and teaching. May the Lord bless you and build you up in his word and in, by his spirit. Good day to you and Godspeed.